This episode of Wishes Breakaway is brought to you by you. Thank you so much for listening. Today's we got a good show, fun times. Greg and I re- re- recount a weekend of uh, maybe a top five Twitter weekend ever, ever with the uh, some really interesting stuff going on with some possible burner accounts. We got the Jack Johnson Fund. Thank you all for donating. We are at seventy three hundred dollars. That is insane. We got we got to the goal in under an hour. Cannot thank you enough. And of course we have Dominic Moore from the 2014 Rangers. I guess I mean I guess on the show, no big deal. I'm just you know it's pretty cool. I guess shows come on with us. All right, well not a big deal. I'm just not not freaking out. But anyway, uh, here's the guy uh, that you'll find out later how uh, Dom sort of knows opened the show for us. Here's Mark Messier. Hi everybody, it's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast. Hey, Blue Shirts Breakaway fans, welcome to another week of the Blue Shirts Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead, and I'm here with my co-host, Greg Kaplan. Gregory, say hello. Oh boy. Top five, top ten weekend on Ranger Twitter? Oh, it's up there. Yeah, it's probably in the top five. Man, there's so much to talk about. Well, I'm sure we'll get to uh, the mysterious Tony or not Tony burner. We're, we got to talk about the two losses, the Rangers being 1-3-1 and one at this point. There's too much to cover, but I guess we'll just start with the Philip Heedle news, huh? Let's get, the, let's get the real sad out of the way first. So, we don't know what exactly happened to Philip Edel because the hockey doesn't tell us. He's back being evaluated in New York City currently by the doctors. Uh, some sort of arm injury is to be expected. We do not know if he'll be day-to-day, if it'll be week-to-week, but it is a crushing blow for a Ranger team that you and I, Greg, have defended somehow a lot over the past couple days. They're playing pretty well. Philip Edel, who is playing at... Um, He's the best he's ever played. I don't think that's even a question at this point in time. And to see him go down for possibly a couple weeks, we will wait to find out, is a travesty for the New York Rangers. I just want to point out the utter hilarious just turn of just about face that's happened. All offseason, all any, all the critics, all the haters would come into our mentions and say, you guys are so negative. You guys, the world <laughs> is falling and the season hasn't even started yet. How how can you be this negative? And blah, now, blah, 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 blah. And now, and now the New York Rangers start one three and one, and you and I are both looking at the positives. And there are people just being like, "How can you even think this? They're one three and one. This team stinks. The top six has been abysmal." Blah 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 blah. It's like guys, like you, you gotta you gotta pick a lane and stick in it. We can either be super negative, or now we're just super positive. If you're gonna criticize us, can we can we just get in line with what we're actually criticizing here? What's going on? You can call us idiots. That's really not a criticism. It's the truth. There's nothing about Mm. that. You know, there's, it's just, that's a fact, but we are being too, not, we're not being too positive. We're being accurately positive. It's the team is, is as good as advertised. It's like Greg right now. If I, if I told you, Hey Greg, this is what the team's going to look like after five games this year, you would have said, yeah, I'm in right. Like they're, they're other than the soft goals that Igor and Georgiev have let, by this season and obviously the embarrassment that was opening night versus the New York Islanders the Rangers have been in every game they've had the chance to win every single game and I thought they've competed with these teams that are frankly pretty damn good like even the Devils who are off to uh, a tremendous start under somehow Lindy Ruff like that's a good team Jack Hughes turns out he's okay 
So to have a team that just comes out and plays when Chris Kreider and Mika Zibanejad are frankly absolutely invisible. Ryan Strom just started actually playing after a couple of days of cardio uh, and, and shockingly had two of the best analytic games back to back for the New York Rangers. Like this is to to be in those games to compete when it's actually the kids' fault. It's their fault that you're winning or that you're being that good. Like that's all we ever wanted out of this year. It's about being battle tested. Hey, guess what? You're being battle tested. You're getting these fluky, soft goals out of the way now. You're learning how to deal with this stuff now because your window, again, for the millionth time, everybody out there, opens next year. And that's what the kids are doing. They're getting better as time goes here. You play that two-game series in Pittsburgh 100 times again, and you get the exact same performance from these New York Rangers. The amount of times that the Rangers come away from those two games with just one out of a possible four points in the single digits that there's it, it defies logic that the rangers didn't get a win at least one win in either of those games they were quite frank, frankly the better team both nights and sometimes when you're the better team it just doesn't work out for you for a variety of reasons uh friday night <laughs> had jack johnson simply not played and anybody else literally played for jack johnson i think the rangers win that game and then you look at sunday night and it's it, it's it's a fluke goal, a couple, whichever one you want. The the go ahead goal that Igor one hundred percent should have stopped, and Igor will be the first one to tell you that he should have stopped. Or you take you take Brett Howden out of the equation. It's, I don't think it was the Man Rockets' fault. I'm not trying to pile on him right now, but Igor was completely blocked from vision. He was screened one hundred percent on the game tying goal. Nothing he could do. So it, those are fluky instances. The the Rangers are pretty good. The Rangers are 1-3-1. and one. If you take away opening night and the first two periods against the Devils, in which Georgiev just played like utter dog shit, Rangers have been the better team in every period they've played. Just because they've only got one win to show for it, I don't think that's indicative of what this team has done. And again, like you said, we're talking about a Ranger team that we're sitting here and we're not even being homers. We're saying the New York Rangers should have more than one win. They should have more than one win without any help or much of any help from Mika Zibanejad, Chris Kreider, and very little help from Artemi Panarin. That's a best-case scenario. That's amazing. Like the, the, one, the one Rangers problem right now is goaltending. That's the thing I'm least concerned about. They're going to get better. We Shesterkin hadn't played on a hockey game since March. I'm not surprised he's coming out of the gates slow because, again, remember, we're talking about guys that didn't have a preseason. So this is – Shesterkin is breaking off the rust in real time. I'm not worried about him. A ton Nothing of, he can do wrong in my eyes. A ton of people asked me today if I was worried about Igor, and I looked up the stat. I think it is. He has uh, 18 regulation losses since 2016 in the NHL and KHL. Okay. And in and the AHL. So this guy's lost 18 times. That's it since 2016. Do I think his confidence is broken? No, I do not. Do I think he's going to figure it out? Yeah, I do. Goalies are weird. Like, they just are. They're nature. They're, like, they're weird beasts in nature. We know Keith. He's a weird guy. It's just a fact. That's that's what it is. So, Igor is going to take – he's got a shortened preseason. He's got – no, he had zero preseason. I'm sorry. He had no – almost no camp. Like, there's, there's some rust to shake off. Goals are up around the whole entire league, and Igor is an elite goaltender. Now, is he Henrik Lundqvist? No, but nobody's Henrik Lundqvist every – like, news newsflash, everybody – it's going to be impossible to replicate Henrik Lundqvist. That, that shouldn't be a shock to anybody. We are spoiled as New York Ranger fans and have been for years. But Igor is 
and has shown elite goaltender ability. He showed he's shown it this year, with the exception of letting in some softies. And I I can't even blame like uh, like Brett Howden. <laughs> Brett Howden ended up putting one in on over the weekend also. So it's there's a lot of uh, not Brett Howden. I'm sorry, Ryan Lindgren. Ryan Lindgren ended up putting in, in a puck in the net this weekend. It was just a comedy of errors from the New York Rangers. They did everything they could to try and lose those games despite playing so well. I'm super happy with how the team has performed. Like you, I think I saw you tweeted over the weekend, Greg. I've never felt as comfortable with this, the six defensemen that the New York Rangers have rolling out that I did on Sunday. I, I can't even believe we can say that because I like that the whole defensive lineup. I'm sure Jack Johnson's going to come back in the lineup. I'm positive of it. But to have Brandon Smith, to have Keandre Miller, who looks like a pro, like a legitimate pro, and I don't know if you've heard, he's athletic. Thank you, Joe Micheletti. Uh, it's it's a it's a wonderful situation for the Rangers to be in. Finally, six defensemen I actually trust and can actually perform, and a, a ton of offensive firepower. The power play has looked tremendous. Now, they had the results they wanted. I'm sure not, but it it's the talent is there. You can clearly see it. They haven't finished. Everything before the finishing has been wonderful. There's no I have nothing to complain about. I really don't. It's weird to say because the team has been so obnoxiously good with the exception of scoring goals and not letting in fluke goals. But that's just getting unlucky in the NHL, and that's what the Rangers are. Our Tampa Panarin even said today, hey, like, it's, there's going to be games coming up where we score five goals. It's coming. He's right. The team is clicking. They just, something about them is statement at the moment, and that comes all the way up and down the lineup. You did. We we mentioned Filipino when this podcast started, and we should probably lean back into his injury. Yeah. Uh, it, it's not hyperbole to say that Heedle has played as this team's best center to start this season. It's it's not even close either. He he's been maybe you could make an even argument that he's just been the flat out best New York Ranger to start the season, not named Adam Fox. Uh, I wouldn't argue if you were trying to make that point. Uh, it's gonna. It's going to suck from a watching the Rangers standpoint because we, I mean, the aforementioned Mika Zibanejad has struggled. Ryan Strom has struggled. Brett Howden hasn't been given much to do, which is how you best use Brett Howden. I think most people would agree with us in that take. But while it'll suck from a enjoyment of the game standpoint, it really fucking sucks from a just Philip Heedle standpoint independent of what you want the rangers to do he's he was breaking out he was making the leap we saw filipino transforming his game he was becoming a driver of offense the a bit he may have been the number one reason why the phil di giuseppe phil heedle and cabo caco line was looking like the rangers best line at even strength so it is just an absolute bummer that when Philip Heedle is ascending to the heights of his powers and doing it, mind you, at the ripe age of 21, 22 years old, he is making the leap that we desperately needed to see him make the leap in order to move on from Ryan Strome, in order to feel like the Rangers had a young upcoming center that they could put in their top six immediately right now for when this team was going to get ready for a playoff push. And now when he's just in the best form of his career, he's not going to be in a lineup. Now, we don't know how long he's not going to be in a lineup. We don't know how serious the injury is. What we do know is it just couldn't have come at a worse time for Philip Heedle. And I, 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 yes, the Rangers themselves will be a worse team on the ice 
Tuesday when you're listening to this. Yes, the New York Rangers will be a worse team indefinitely as long as Philip Hedl is out. But again, like the theme of this season for me wasn't whether the Rangers win or lose on a given night. It was watching the children grow. And Philip Hedl was the shining example of what this team could be in the years to come. And we're now not only being robbed of that from just a pure enjoyment standpoint, I just couldn't think of a worse time for this injury to happen to Phil Heedle. No. It's the biggest bummer. It's huge because I, I really, I mean, even Quinn saw it, right? And we'll, I'm sure we'll get to Quinn in a couple minutes here because how could we not? On an episode how could of, we not? On an episode of Blizzard's Breakaway. But Quinn, late in the game on Friday night, put Heedle out there with the top guns. It was Ryan Strom was demoted because Ryan Strom was having a cardio game before he had his big comeback game over the weekend. And Philip Heedle clearly had earned his trust and was the best center and has been the best center on the team all season. So when the, when the, when the cards were on the table and it actually mattered for the New York Rangers, Philip Heedle was out there. And that's what's like, I think you outlined everything so perfectly there, Greg, because that's what sucks the most. It's, this is a guy who was enabling Capococco. You could see the chemistry they had. There was a lot going on, and I hope and I really pray at this point that Filipito is not out for a long time. I don't expect to see him in this week, and I really don't expect to see him next week if he's back with the doctors in New York. I'm expecting something a little more serious, but I'm, I'm hoping you know by mid to late February he can get back. I'm not going to speculate on what's going on with him. I'm not a doctor. I have no idea, and I'm totally idiot. But to, I really don't want him out being so long because, like you said, this year's about development. And if you're not playing, you're not developing, despite Filipino taking a jump clearly in his game this entire this, this whole season, it, even though the season's only been five games at this point. Yeah, it's just I, we understand that athletes, everything about their existence in this world is rhythm and routine. And Filipino was just threading the needle perfectly. There's there's no other way to say it. He was at the height of his powers. The best we've ever seen Filipino as a New York Ranger, bar none. So it just, it really, it sucks that we're, well, not he just that. is like, not going to be able to stay in the lineup. Capococco, like, clearly was feeling it with Phil Filipino. Like, those, and, and Phil DiGiuseppe, and I have to give him credit, is maybe the best Ranger on the team right now, as, as insane as that is to say out loud. Now, you, you're, being, you're being mean to Adam Fox. Oh, I'm sorry. I, did, I thought that was a given. I thought, I, my apologies. I thought it was very, Adam Fox is limitless. That's, like, my news. I don't know what else to say about Adam I don't, I'm, I've run out of words. He could do whatever he'd like. He's the best defenseman I've watched on the New York Rangers in the last 10 years. I don't think it's particularly close. At this point, uh, I'm sorry, Ryan McDonough, but Ryan McDonough did not have the offensive ability that Adam Fox has. He clearly does. It's uh, it's a, a tremendous sight to see. But Phil DiGiuseppe uh, has been, luckily for the New York Rangers, a very good Jesper Fast replacement uh, for on a two-way contract. So uh, that's a line I really didn't want to see broken up, but we'll have to see what happens to uh, with Phil Heedles. Injury, which I'm assuming we'll get some information like maybe later in the week, or they might just say upper upper body uh, out indefinitely. I really I don't know what to expect from the NHL anymore. I I would expect the bare minimum. So the fact that they're nice enough to tell us he's not going to play tomorrow night is a step in the right direction. Just just nuts that this league wants to get in with Vegas and wants to be a presence in the sports gambling market 
And you have Peter DeBoer saying he's not going to announce who his goalie is until minutes before the puck drop. And you have NHL teams not being honest about how injured certain players are. They're, like the NHL needs to get it through its head that the, the, this information is not for opposing teams. Sure, opposing teams may end up benefiting from it. This information is for the betting public because the betting public puts in millions upon millions of dollars on a nightly basis into every sport. And if you want us to bet your sport more, you're going to have to give us more information. That's that's the way it works. I this know. is an insider trading year, boys. I know. This isn't Wall Street bets. So. <laughs> this isn't GameStop, <laughs> motherfuckers. Like, this, you, you can't come at me with your black stock without any real information to work off of here. Boy, that is... You see Steve Cohen uh, is buying up one of the companies that went belly up because of GameStop? No, I didn't see that. You went a little robot there for a minute. That was weird. First time's happened in, in months. Um, but yes, I did not see that Steve Cohen's buy. He's buying up a company because of GameStop? Oh, like a hedge fund, you mean? Yes. That's unbelievable. <laughs> Got him. Anyway, uh, back to the New York Rangers and, uh, and that whole entire situation there. So Filipino is now injured. That brings up the Brett Howden line. Uh, I think we can both agree that... Well, uh, another down downside of the you know the pandemic of there there are many of course, is that beat writers cannot attend practice. And today in Buffalo, the practice was actually closed and not streamed to any beat writers, so we don't know the practice lines. We have no information there. But I think you and I can make a safe assumption that the third line would be centered by Brett Houghton. Do we agree? Yeah, yeah. There's... I don't. I don't know. I as much. I look. I love Kevin Rooney more than the next guy. There's a chance that the next Ranger jersey I buy. Is a Kevin Rooney jersey. I'm purchasing it's, my Jack Johnson jersey today. Yay. We'll, we'll talk about that. It's either it's either Rooney or Adam Fox, but at this point I'm nervous that everybody's gonna have an Adam Fox, which is why I might get myself a Kevin Rooney. Uh no, it'll be Howden. And Ron, you know what's this is gonna shock you. Yeah. I don't know if you're prepared for what I'm I, about I to think say. I am actually. I think I'm ready. Are you sitting down? I, I unfortunately yes. <laughs> it should be Brett Howden. I agree with you. Yeah, I there's no other there's no other alternative. I don't I think it would be unfair to call up Morgan Barron and put him on that line immediately. Uh, I don't think the Rangers would benefit significantly. While I'm intrigued about uh, the jokes aside, Kevin Rooney is intriguing and a responsible center you can put with Cabo Caco, but then you're kind of creating a line that buries what Cabo Caco does best. Like Kevin Rooney and Phil G. Giuseppe, you're starting to create this, pretty interesting defensively minded shutdown line, but then you're kind of just wasting Capo Caco in that spot. Um, Colin Blackwell does a lot of little things well, but again, he's kind of redundant with Phil DiGiuseppe on that line too. So if we're looking for offensive upside and again, it's not like the man rocket has provided us so many examples of him being a productive hockey player in any zone on the ice but he's still a kid. Like, I think, I do think we forget how young Brett Howden is. Oh, yeah. I, I, Absolutely. We're, we're, we're hit over the head on a weekly basis about Howden being gifted opportunities that we don't think he's necessarily ready for. But a lot of that is not just because Brett Howden seems overmatched in the NHL. He seems overmatched in the NHL because he's super young. Like, he's still learning the game. He's still trying to figure it out as he goes. All that being said, it has to be his turn. He has to try to run with that third line line center spot. And honestly, Ryan, I hope he does great. I hope he makes it an impossible decision for David Quinn when Filipino comes back in this lineup. Not that I think Brad Howden is going to make it so that Filipino doesn't get his spot back, 
More so, I want Brett Howden to play well, so more pressure is put on Ryan Strom. The Rangers need someone that can make it harder for Ryan Strom to get big minutes. And if it's Brett Howden, it's Brett Howden. I hope he succeeds. I really want him to play well. I think he's being put. He's finally being put into a situation that you couldn't ask for a better circumstance for. He's got Capocacco, who's playing very well right now. He's got Phil DiGiuseppe, who's become Jesper Foss 2.0. Like, Brett Howden is not going to have a lot of responsibility on this line. He's not going to have to be relied upon to be the guy to carry it. Now, this is a big test for Capocacco as well, but I'm more interested to see how Brett Howden handles this new responsibility. Let's see what you got, kid. I am too. Show me something. Uh, with Howden this season, I, and I think it's been pretty remarkable, like, you and I, are men- our mentions are pretty wild sometimes, I would, I'd imagine. And I haven't actually heard one complaint about Brett Howden all season. As, as crazy as that sounds, I've never, I haven't seen one thing complaining about Brett Howden. So I, uh, I, there were some people bitching that he was getting more ice time in the whatever, second period. Who cares? Uh, then Filipino, blah blah blah. But who cares? Again, we went over that on a BSBO team. When you're, yep. when Brett Howden has special teams responsibilities, he's going to get more ice time. I that, don't know what to tell you. Just what happens. I yeah. So I'm excited to see what Brett Howden could do with this opportunity. I guess we should get to the Quinn stuff, um, just very briefly. Because we we did this over the week over, over on OT also in the past two weeks, I don't know how we're the most positive on David Quinn. He literally did everything the Ranger uh, Ranger fans asked him for on Friday night. He played hot hands. He benched Ryan Strom when he wasn't playing well. He's done the right thing. He he eventually benched Jack Johnson, although it didn't pay off for him. There's been a lot that David Quinn has done and has experimented with and has been fine. And and I think you said it best, Greg. Uh, unfortunately for me. Uh, last time we did a show together, which was David Quinn is average, and that's fine. Like that's that's just what he is. He's done everything we've asked him for. I I don't I don't know what the actual criticisms are right now for him. Like Igor let in softies, Georgie let in softies, Ryan Lindgren threw a puck in the goal. The Rangers have been the better team in every single game outside of Game One. What am I missing here? What is what is Quinn doing wrong that's so terrible? I, I don't I'm so confused about it sometimes because it's it's all his fault? Like what what is his fault? That Igor let up some softies, he's not coaching him hard enough. Benoit Lair, the legendary goalie coach that we all credit for all the backup goalies who've ever left NYR success and along with Henry Lundqvist. What, he's not coaching Igor well enough? What am I missing here, Greg? Am I, am, why am I the crazy one? Well, the thing that really grinded my gears this weekend is if you're going to say, if you're going to ask David Quinn to do the obvious, you can't then be angry that he does the obvious. Right. And the obvious again is Jack Johnson. And it's, it's the fact that $7,300 was raised by Ranger fans because they're just sick and tired of Jack. Johnson. Honestly, I did not five games into the season. I guess we can get into this real quick. I did not expect it to be like that. I no. I thought I thought maybe you'd get to two thousand. I I was uh, the goal was twenty four. Oh, sorry, was twenty seven hundred and representation of his number. That's it. I was like, oh, you know what? Feeding uh, food banks in New York City. We did it last year for the for the COVID nineteen stream where we like streamed for nineteen hours and we raised I believe something like three thousand dollars then. So I thought that was crazy, and I was like, hey, it would be fun if like we could like I'll buy a Jack Johnson jersey and wear it at MSG and like. You know, we all make fun of Jack Johnson. My entire timeline is just everyone crapping on the guy. We might as well do some good for people around New York City in our community. And I was like, yeah, 2,700. We reached 2,700 in under an hour, Greg. 
an hour. I had it up for an hour. Um, I don't know who anonymously donated $2,000. And if you're listening out there and your name is Jack Johnson, thank you. I'm convinced it's him. I There's a chance it's not. If you're act- if it wasn't actually Jack Johnson, you are listening. I cannot thank you enough for doing so good by us and by our community. But I swear up and down it was him or someone from the Rangers. I just it's been a it's been a really weird anonymous weekend. Truly. <laughs> well, this one, this one's just a hunch that it was Jack Johnson. The other one, we're pretty sure, is at least related to a New York Ranger. Yeah, um, we'll get to it. Anyway, uh, yeah, if you're gonna if you're gonna bitch and moan, which is what it is, we're just gonna call a spade a spade here. If you're gonna bitch and moan that David Quinn can't even do the logical, when he does the logical, you can't say, "Well, I can't give him credit for doing the logical." Uh, yes, you fucking can. I, I, I understand. We don't have to play the gotta hand it to him games here. I hate when people do that. Uh, it, it's, it seems like you, we, there are times in this world where you don't have to hand it to someone. I agree with that. But consider the circumstances here. And we've talked about this many times before. You're angry that David Quinn is playing the guy that his lead assistant coach vouches for, that his GM signed, and that his owner put emphasis, uh, not his owner, but his president of hockey operations put emphasis on. I, I get, yes, should David Quinn have never played Jack Johnson? Absolutely. Should it have taken David Quinn four games to realize Jack Johnson is hurting the New York Rangers? No. Am I upset that by game five he understood he needed to do something different? No. What what, what's, what is the alter? The only alternative is, David Quinn never plays Jack Johnson. In order for David Quinn to never play Jack Johnson, you have to go to Jeff Gorton to never sign Jack Johnson. Because as soon as a guy like that is signed and all of his attributes are played up by the people around the head coach, what do you want the head coach to do? You have to remember that David Quinn works for Jeff Gorton. Yes, does Jeff Gorton want David Quinn to push back on some of his ideas? Does Jeff Gorton want David Quinn to be a communicator and an active part in the picture that is painted for this team's future, 100%. But you're not going to – I don't know any coach in America, sans John Tortorella, that is just going to say no to something being brought in and given to him. Jack Jack Johnson was given a chance. We knew how this chance was going to go. We sat here all summer and and winter and fall and told you how it was going to go. We knew exactly what these four games were going to go like. That's why I knew for sure when Jack Johnson took the ice on Friday night that he was going to be on for at least one goal against. I was confident. In fact, I would have been stunned if the opposite had happened. We knew all these things was going to happen. David Quinn may have known all these things were going to happen, but the New York Rangers decided to let this play out by signing him, by bringing him in, (laughs) by by asking him to play the penalty kill. Paying him the minimum. Yeah, like they did all this. I can't, I can't, I honestly was shocked, shocked that he was not in the lineup on Sunday because I thought he was going to be given at least 10 games. He's coming a back. A minimum of Everyone 10 games. Everyone shouldn't be surprised when he's back in the lineup. It's going to happen. Like, I know I know. we'll say, well, well Quinn didn't learn. Well, yeah, he's going to play him. Like, he, it's, it's, it's given to him. Marty, uh, Marty Jacques, famous person we discuss on this program all the time, Jacques Martin, he's definitely going to be like, hey, we got to put Jack Johnson back in. I like the matchups. I don't know. It's going to happen. And it, I, I'm just not going to... Should he ever play Jack Johnson again? No. But there's many, 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 many other things Quinn has done well and that we know 
he's done well and he doesn't get credit for and it's totally fine. I'm going to go ahead and be a beacon here still of positivity because this team is good. They're playing uh, entertaining hockey at least. The game, I mean, last night's game, Sunday night's game was sloppy from both sides. Absolutely. Uh, but, but they still played and they, they still seem like the better team. And that's all I could ever ask for. The wins and losses to me, and I know this is going to sound crazy, or like you're not a real fan if you don't want wins. I don't care about the win-loss record this year. It'll be awesome to win some games. I'm going to be pumped when they do. I'll be sad when they lose some too. Don't get me wrong there, please. But when it comes to like the final record, like am I going to be pissed if we miss the playoffs? No. Will I be happy if we make the playoffs? Yeah, that's cool. Neat. We're not winning the cup. <laughs> like No chance. Sorry. Uh, but I'm going to just ride the wave, and I just want them to play well. That's all I can ask for. I just don't want every game to be like the opening night versus the Islanders. Other than that, we're good. This team is fun. It's fun. Like, Lafreniere's at least, he he's still seems a little nervous out there, even though he's like clearly belongs in the NHL. He's forcing things a little bit and passing too much to Chris Kreider and others. But it's still fun. Kapokaka looks awesome. Filipino, when he comes back, is going to be exciting again. Adam Fox is at another level. Keandre Miller, like, Keandre Miller shouldn't be this good right now. Can we just agree on that? Like, he shouldn't be as good as he is right now. He looks like an NHL vet, and he's crazy young. And a defense is way harder to develop in the league than, than actual forwards. And to have him be have the wherewithal to make insane defensive plays right away when he struggled as a Badger last year, like, in college hockey, that's tremendous. There's so many positive things about this team that I just can't be negative. And it, to go... Full circle back to your point, it's so hilarious to me that we were flamed and berated for so many months that we were too negative, and now all of a sudden, we're the positive assholes here. I don't know how that happened. I don't know how it happened. If For the, for the I want Quinn fired crowd, here's what you need to admit that David Quinn has done this year, and there's no, nothing you can say about it. Adam Fox has been given every responsibility that he deserves, which includes time on power play one. In fact, when Tony D'Angelo came back into the lineup – David Quinn said, fuck that. I'm leaving Tony. <laughs> I'm leaving Adam Fox on the number one power play unit because Adam Fox right now provides better opportunities for the Rangers than Tony D'Angelo. That's something he did. Uh, he continues to give Keandre Miller more responsibilities and ice time every game. The game before Jack Johnson left the lineup, Keandre Miller was being put in the more challenging situations than Jack Johnson was. Got to give David Quinn credit for that. Uh, David Quinn has been quick to play the hot hands, even when the hands are children, specifically Philip Heedle, Phil DiGiuseppe and Capococco. Uh, David Quinn was quick to make Ryan Strom aware that if Ryan Strom was just going to skate around and look lost on the ice, he was going to lose ice time. David Quinn uh, has been trying to put Alexi Lafreniere in situations that are more beneficial to Alexi Lafreniere. That's not moving him down the lineup. That's moving him up the lineup. Uh, David, David Quinn has, again, Used Brendan Smith in a way that we were unprepared for Brendan Smith to be used, a.k.a. as an actual defenseman and with actual defensive <laughs> responsibilities. Uh, David Quinn has been holding his goalies to a higher level of uh, standards and expectations. He pulled Georgiev when Georgiev didn't have it. He has been firm with Igor Shostakhin about what Igor needs to do in order to get better. These are all things David Quinn has done that fans – have wanted him to do, have been dying for him to do, have been calling for him to do. He's doing them. And now everyone's like, ah, well, fuck him. Fire him anyway. It's like, all right, I get it. I get it, guys. We've been in a pandemic since March. 
It doesn't seem like it's going to end anytime soon. Nobody knows when they're going to be able to plan an actual vacation, get on an airplane, travel abroad. I get it. The world fucking sucks. 100%. I am here with you. I feel it. Believe you me. I can't remember (laughs) the last time I planned a flight, nor can I remember the next time, nor can I even imagine the next time I will plan on getting on another plane. I, I understand. We're all cranky. We're all angry. We're all pissed off. In fact, we're all feeling a little bit like Greg Kaplan's normal level of existence. Like pre-pandemic Greg is how everybody feels right now. And you all understand it. It's a lot. It's a lot to carry. But as someone that carried it for 32 years, fucking relax. It's going to get better (laughs) sooner or later. I can't tell you when. I don't know. I have no idea. But we just got to fucking chill out. A little bit, a little bit. I'm, I'm not saying if you want to lose your mind about sports because it makes you feel alive again, by all means, I encourage yeah, you. Yeah, please. In fact, trust me, the New York Mets are going to do something super stupid later this week, and I'm going to have a fucking meltdown. Yeah, it's going to be great. Yeah, you I'm are. looking forward to it. <laughs> I can't, I am so excited to be out of my goddamn mind. It's going to be wonderful. But I'm also not going to be out of my mind of something that doesn't exist. And right now, the, the Fire David Quinn Brigade, you guys are just nuts. I honestly... I want to understand your mindset. I do. Outside of it being a pandemic and you not having patience anymore, that's about as far as I go. Because the on-ice product, I don't know what the fuck else you want him to do. I, think I been, really don't. I think it's been really good. I don't know. And I, I, I don't know if he's – Ryan, that's the thing. I still don't know if he's been really good. Like, I, I no, have no idea. I, I don't know I if really he's know. been really good. I want to make that clear. I don't. The on-ice product has been really good despite yeah. the results. And the, the puck luck hasn't been there. That shit happens, especially when you're playing a team that has Sidney Crosby. Like, hmm. I got news for you. A star like Sidney Crosby, he's going to get more put, puck luck than you are. It, that's just how it works. It's just, those are the facts. Uh, let's let's uh, quickly end this before we get to our guest tonight, uh, who would be Dominic Moore if he uh, does show up here. It's uh, the Tony D'Angelo burner account uh, fiasco Fucking from, hilarious. over the weekend. One of the top Twitter experiences of my life. Uh, I'm not <laughs> sure it's him. I am... Uh, I, I know Yahoo wrote about it. Deadspin wrote about it. I know that uh, the whoever runs the account clicked an IP clicker and went to Pittsburgh. It could be a VPN that some of the times don't match up. But whoever runs that uh, fake burner account or for Tony or if it is Tony or if it's his brother, great job. Just phenomenal work because <laughs> it, it made my Saturday. Just like the up and downs of everything. I, I, I legitimately thought that maybe PR contacted Tony and was like, hey, you have to throw everyone off the scent here because – Everyone thinks it's you. Make sure just tweet out stuff that that is just so over the top that it couldn't be you or too on the nose. And I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. I don't think it's him. Realistically, I don't know if it's his brother. I have no idea. But the fake the fake burner account from Tony that was just defending Tony for every uh, on every tweet was so hilarious. I don't know. It was a great job by whoever that person was. Definitely a, an A plus troll job. It's it's remarkable. I, if it's a troll job, it's actually going to disappoint me at this point. I, it, I, I wish it was him. I just wish it was. <laughs> it's, it's very interesting that again, the account was just not active during Sunday night's Ranger game. And as soon as the game ended, you can see that the account, the account once again, went out there and liked a couple tweets. Yeah, It was just like, how about um, just stops the puck? Huh? <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, it's, <laughs> it makes, it really makes you think it's whatever it is. It's incredibly well done. I am of the opinion that it's Lou. 
Uh, watch well, your, Lewis's brother. Watch your, your Lou Lou D'Angelo. Correct. Is a D'Angelo. And he he wrote uh, he he ran the Watch Your Tone podcast account before it left yes. Twitter. That's correct. Um, because do I think Tony is stupid enough to create a burner account for himself and like some of those tweets? Yes and no. Yeah. I, like I, it's I, it's I, so I on this. the nose. It's too. And almost some two. of them are so on the nose. I think Tony is stupid enough to invite his brother onto a road trip during a pandemic. I think that is what 100%. I just don't think the Rangers uh, let that Tony's, happen. Tony's that's, why, that's why I'm like, I don't, you know. I think it was, I, I, I was almost convinced when the IP clicker came. I was like, this. I can't believe this is happening. This is too good to be true. Like, this was the NBA drama I always wanted, <laughs> like, from the NHL. Like, I was like, this is my moment. We found a burner for a player. This is incredible. Uh, but I just, as time went on here, I really didn't think it was him, and unfortunately, but a, if you're listening to this and uh, you you made that account, a plus job, truly great job by you, because you you fooled everybody, everybody, Deadspin and Yahoo wrote about you, and they wouldn't raise they wouldn't write about uh, people raising seventy five hundred dollars for NYC food banks slandering Jack Johnson, but yet a fake Tony D'Angelo burner, we got it, we did it. <laughs> now, so, fair being fair, Ryan, until yeah. this week, and I didn't realize Deadspin was a thing again. Is that a thing again? Yeah, I thought people hate Deadspin now. I, I think I think it's back uh, with. Better than ever, I don't know, but it's back. And yeah, but Yahoo Sports wrote about it too. And I guess is Yahoo still a thing is a legit question. Also, you could also say that. Mm. All right, I don't know anything. Well, let's uh let's go ahead and transition to our guest here, and um, we'll be back in just a second. Transition. Hey, we're back with our first and only guest of the day. We have Dominic Moore. He is a studio analyst, which of course, which he's most most known for for the. Uh, NHL on NBC, and he's also a former New York Ranger. Dom, how are you doing tonight? Doing great, Ryan. Thanks for having me on. Greg, how you doing? Oh, I'm good. I'm be- better now, trust me. Yeah, truly. <laughs> uh, I guess we'll start this interview with a bang question. Something I, I did some research for this, and I need to know right off the right off the rip. We'll just set the tone. Uh, when you opened training camp in 2003, what was it like leveling Mark Messier? Oh my gosh, you really, really <laughs> did the research. Wow, I got you there. That is- that is awesome. So first of all, good for you for doing that research because not many people know that story. Um, my first ever training camp with the Rangers, we were in a scrimmage and I, I got the puck and I was cutting across the offensive blue line and I could see out of the corner of my eye, someone had really lined me up and I was going through it, you know, what everybody loves to call the trolley tracks. You just don't cut across the blue line when you have the puck and especially if you have your head down, which I didn't really have it down. I kind of saw the guy out of the corner of my eye and I thought I'd, I'd let him think that I didn't see him and, uh, you know, try and reverse shoulder him as I, as I got, as he got closer to me and, and the guy really had me lined up. And so as he got closer, uh, I surprised him and, and kind of shouldered, put my shoulder into him right as he was about to, you know, he probably would have let up on me and, and the guy went flying and, like, I don't know if I had a, a better hit in my entire career. <laughs> I wasn't known for that at all, obviously. And that might have been the best hit of my career. Um, and the guy went flying, like, feet overhead, landed flat on his back. And then I saw who it was. <laughs> it was mess. And within about eight seconds, I got attacked by, I think it was like, Matthew Barnaby, Chris Simon, and and I think there was even one one tough guy that was on my team in the scrimmage that attacked me, um, and 
it was hilarious. It was hilarious in retrospect. It wasn't so funny at the time. Glenn Sather was on the ice actually officiating the scrimmage and what? he he was chuckling to himself because he just thought the thing was so funny. Uh, <laughs> To Messier's credit, to Mark's credit, um, he could not have been nicer about it because I, I ended up apologizing to him after. I just said, hey, I didn't know it was you, first of all. Second of all, I kind of had my head down. I couldn't see who it was, but I knew someone was lining me up. He totally understood the play and and uh, was very gracious, and as you would expect him to be. Uh, and couldn't have been nicer to me then and after the fact. So grateful to him. But, yeah, that was certainly uh, – an impression made in my first camp. Were you at all worried that somehow your NHL career had ended before it even began? <laughs> <laughs> not, not really in the sense that, you know, these, these things can happen. Um, and it wasn't like, you know, there are some situations where a guy goes out and tries to get attention by doing something, um, you know, going after someone in a, in a camp situation. And that wasn't at all what this was. This was literally an accident. Um, and I think, you know, seeing Sather's reaction, like I mentioned, and, and the way Mark handled it, it was all fine, but, um, it was, a, it was an eventful scrimmage to say the least. Did anybody in the locker room, like afterwards, like, was this something that just came up over time or was that just like, never talk about this again? <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like I, you know, I, it never was a thing again, really. It never was really talked about. Um, I mean, I'm sure if you asked. Larry Brooks or someone that was around covering it, they would remember it like it was yesterday, but uh, it never kind of came, came back and became more, more of a story than it was. And, you know, I'll tell it every now and then uh, to people, you know, uh, some Ranger fans here and there, but it, it, it certainly is a good story and good on you for, uh, for digging deep to find that one. I, I, if, they, they said you knocked him on his keister, and I was like, "Wow, I haven't heard the word keister in like <laughs> ten years." No, I'm not not exaggerating at all. It was probably the best hit in my career. That's crazy. And do uh, if Liam McHugh ever pushes you on a subject on the NBC Sports desk, do you just pull him aside afterwards and remind him that you knocked Mark Messier out? You're not afraid <laughs> to take anyone else down with you. Well, exactly. I mean, uh, mess is as tough as they come. So you know, really set the standard there by. Uh, by that but you know <laughs> it's uh I was you know when when in that day and age they had some really really tough guys on the team and like I said I got rushed by about three of them at once um and those were the days where where you still had some some guys on the team that uh they, <laughs> they could take care right. of business if yeah. they needed to all right uh, now that we got that out of the way why don't you tell us exactly how you got to um to NBC and NHL. I read an uh, um to plug my own website that we podcast for. I read an article on the Athletic that you had with uh, James Myrtle a couple years ago about you know what was next for you. You kind of said you like didn't know what it was. You joked about having a hockey analytics firm. How did you end up uh, being on NBC? Yeah, that wasn't something I had really planned at all. Um, it just kind of came up. I had partnered with the with the NHL on a on a project in the off season. Actually, during the quarantine is when we started. Um, it was a content thing based on my, my charity event, um, mm -hmm. smash fest. And so, you know, that came together and the league was a great partner in, in putting that together with me. And then NBC ended up airing the show, uh, on NBCSN. And that was kind of how this started. Um, and it just kind of grew on me as something that I was excited about uh, getting involved in and had my first day 
um, last week um, uh, on Martin Luther King Day there with that quadruple header. I, I did the first two games of that, uh, get my feet wet there and get a little bit of experience and uh, excited to get back and do more. I, we're going to obviously talk a lot about hockey with you, but you, you brought up Smashfest and it's just incredible work that goes into Smashfest. But the number one question I have, who is the secret ping pong whisperer in the NHL that you have had the most trouble with? Well, Patrick Eves is the five-time defending champ. Uh, he's like, he's pretty much like Rafael Nadal of Smashfest. Like he, <laughs> you know, he's pretty much undefeated. And the funny thing is, it's not like he's won easily. Like the, he's had some some really close matches throughout the years, uh, including being down two sets to love and coming back and winning. So it really isn't like a foregone conclusion that he'll win every year. And so that's what makes it actually even more amazing that he's been uh, such a champion. Um, and he works with he has a he has a table tennis coach that he works with who's like a U.S. Olympian. So. He, that's he incredible. and others take it very seriously. Jeff Skinner's another guy uh, who takes it really seriously. Most of Smash Fest, uh, I like people to know, is is just a party and it's casual and recreational. We have a doubles tournament. It's not really all that competitive. Uh, it's mostly fun. Um, but there is that competitive part where a handful of guys at, at the end get 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 after it. And that's where Eve shows his stuff. You uh, have somehow retained a lovable personality throughout the entire time in the NHL. I, every Ranger fan I ever talked to about you has never said a bad thing. But you're also a big into charity. So you talked about Smash Fest, obviously the Katie Moore Foundation also. Recently, we raised $7,500 from New York City food banks, kind of making fun of a hockey player. If someone was making fun of you, would that offend you? Like, just I just want to know because I want to know if I'm offending this person. Like, we raised $7,500 to feed... New York City uh, food shelters, and but I'm kind of doing it, you know, by bad mouthing a hockey player. Do you think that that person would be offended by it, possibly? Oh gosh, yeah, you're putting me on the spot. First of all, I do know I am aware of the, <laughs> of the Jack Johnson fundraiser you guys did. I, I, as a player, um, I never paid attention. You know, I deliberately tried not to read any of the media or listen to any anything during my career because you know my job as a player is to to play and do the best job I can um I completely understand the fan pers perspective where mm -hmm. uh you you have a right to criticize the team and and you know and people are passionate about the team as they should be they should they should express that passion however they want um you know obviously a fundraiser is a good thing uh, I definitely feel for for Jack in terms of the criticism he might be getting as well, though. So I've heard, but he's uh, nothing but the uh, the nicest guy of all time, which makes me feel a little bit worse about doing this. Well, I've never met him, so I can't say. But um, yeah, hard for me to kind of come down on it one way or the other on this, uh, <laughs> other than to say that I I wish Jack and the food bank nothing but the most success. Perfect so, answer. I, I will I will say just in case Jack Johnson ever hears this. Ryan is five eight one sixty five. You got it covered. Like, <laughs> you, can, you can end his life if you want. The, the, the pandemic happened. It's I, I've gained some pounds, but yes, I agree. Um, but hey, listen. I mean, I'm I grew up in Toronto, and I was a passionate, passionately fan as a kid. And you know, I you know, but hey, the reason why I joined you guys is because I 
I am very loyal to Ranger fans and I know you guys speak to them and you know, I, I understand the passion. I appreciate the passion. You appreciate that passion as a player. Um, that's why I think as a player, you just try to tune it out and do the job the best you can. Um, and so hopefully Jack is not aware of all of the, the criticism he, he we, may or may not be we got an anonymous 2k there. donation dom i think it might have been him i don't know uh so we'll find out one day maybe who knows but somehow you you have kind of avoided that scapegoat ism throughout your career at least with the new york rangers you know there are there are players now that you know we cover that we interact with the fans like you said that take a lot of crap brett howden is one of them you know uh, jack johnson obviously mark stall who we covered forever took t- mm-hmm. they just they just always have that scapegoatism do you like does that ever come up in the locker room? Does that ever like, hey, like this person is the person that all the fans are going to just kind of pile on? Like this year, like it's almost like a joke at this point because we know every single year there's going to be one player that the fan base just kind of goes, hey, that's the player we're going to blame everything on. And, like it's not that player's fault. I don't like I don't have anything against Mark Stahl or Brett Howden at all, but it just happens. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I'm I'm grateful that I you know escaped that kind of stuff during my career and and thankful for the support that I've had for sure. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's one of those things. There's so much that goes into having a successful team and it, it's sometimes really not that easy to diagnose the, you know, so-called problems of a team that are holding it back. And, uh, sometimes the easiest thing is, is just to see, you know, players on the ice and, and critique that and, and for good reason, oftentimes, but, uh, you know, like I said, where I'm from in Toronto, it, it was often, the goalies because it's very easy to critique the goalies. Um, it's, it's pretty black and white in terms of whether they make saves or not. Um, so, you know, that was often the case when I was growing up in Toronto and then, you know, the guys that kind of had big deals, uh, signed a huge deal and all of a sudden the expectations were really high. That was another one that you, you started to see if their performance slipped a little bit. And, you know, again, that's just, that's just passion in the fan base and, you know, and there's nothing new under the sun with that kind of thing. No, not at all. To, to turn this on its head a little bit, Dom, uh, I don't know if it was just because Twitter wasn't Twitter yet or if things were just brighter, sunnier, warmer, more loving. You played on maybe the most likable Ranger team of all time, which is the 2014 Eastern Conference Championship team. A team, mind you, that had a few stars on it that <laughs> seemingly Ranger fans loved. What was it like for you to be part of that locker room. Obviously, again, you weren't necessarily putting up 20 points a game, but like Ryan said earlier, I don't, you and Brian Boyle are two guys that I don't think any Ranger fan will ever just say a bad word about. And that is incredibly rare. So I just, what, what was it like being on that team, making that run with that group of guys? That was obviously an incredibly special year. I mean, we started the we started the season on the road almost exclusively because of the renovations at MSG, and and we kind of had a rocky start um, to the point where I think you know they were considering like if it didn't go well, you know, before Christmas they were going to potentially break it up, and and then we went on a tear um, from then from then on, and then continued to get better as the season went on. We had a really great mix of guys, you know, guys that maybe aren't talked about as much anymore. Guys like Kevin Klein. Um, He was a really integral part uh, of that group and a great guy in the locker room with his uh, pregame dance routine that he used to do. And, um, you know, guys like Zook that had personalities that, that meshed well with Hank and other things like that. I mean, 
we just had a, a chemistry that developed over time and and then the depth uh the depth of the lineup um you mentioned guys like boiler boiler and i really we were both centermen and so we we were able to kind of play off each other really well and you know if someone got stuck in on the four check the other one would back them up and vice versa and and you know we ended up uh you know coach Vino gave us a pretty s- substantial role in the playoffs in terms of shutting teams down and playing every night against Crosby and and the top lines so that was something that I relished I mean I relished challenges and and being able to you know go up against the best players on the opposing teams that became kind of my calling card and and I think our line did it really well um you know and obviously having it be the 20th anniversary of the 94 team there was a special feeling around uh, the garden in that year and uh, just a shame that we came up a little bit short. Yeah. For all of us, as you probably know already, when was that, when did you know, like on that season, Hey, this team is special. Was there a particular game uh, that comes to mind? Like right away, like this was the game that we knew this team could go as far as it did. Boy, that's another good question. I don't know if there was a specific moment. We knew we were starting to to roll, and it, it just became one of those things where you're not thinking too much. You're just you're just playing, and you're in a rhythm. And and then obviously when we were down three um, one against Pitt, you know, it was it was kind of like, all right, well, this may be it. But when when you escape something like that, then you're really playing with house money, and and you really you know kind of feel like you've got nothing to lose and and that's exactly what happened with us um you know you look at the finals it ended up you know three overtime games i think two of them were double overtime correct that's correct so yeah it just uh didn't go our way but um you know credit to la they they clearly they clearly brought it you guys had terrible puck luck that entire finals like it was brutal they just watching as a fan it was like this game like when Chris Kreider hits the post, it's like this, well, this is it. Like was very, very close many, many times. Yeah, that team. you know, McDonough hits the post in overtime and obviously a controversial goal. These aren't excuses. Just, I think yeah, we course. needed one, one bounce to kind of change the tide a little bit. Instead, it got, got away from us uh, in a hurry and weren't able to kind of turn it around. John, we're, we're talking about a playoff that while it also feels very, very long ago in like a, a, a an era gone by, is it jarring to you that six, seven years later, it's just Chris Kreider that's left from that group on this team? You know, it's, it's, it is amazing, actually. You know, you watch, you know, someone, I was watching a game with someone last week and they said, wait a minute, is Kreider the only guy left? And I said, yeah, I mean, it really is something. Um, so everyone's moved on and, you know, you see guys all around the league or not in the league anymore, but it is amazing how fast uh, things can change in the NHL these days. Oh, absolutely. Is I, I guess I kind of want to ask, because there's, there's been a lot of, um, we interact with fans a lot, as we mentioned earlier. What's something that fans kind of put too much emphasis on when watching the game? Is it, you know, you were notoriously pretty great at face-offs your whole career. Um, there are stats that show face-offs maybe aren't as uh, prevalent as people think they are. Is it hits? Like, what are What's something in the game that fans put too much emphasis on that we wouldn't really normally notice? Well, I found, you know, I always found Rangers fans to be very astute observers, you know, the ones in the upper bowl, the ones that are, have been watching for a long time. I, you know, I find them to really know what's up with the team and, and uh, that's a credit to them on the passion they have 
terms of uh, underrated, overrated things, um, I don't know. It's it's hard to say. I mean, uh, you look at a guy like Colin Blackwell the other night. It's, it's not like he's doing anything fancy. He's not going to show up on the highlight reel, but he had a really effective game. Uh, you know, he's obviously a Harvard guy, so I'm going to give him a plug, mm-hmm. but uh, <laughs> yeah. he, he, he grinded well. Uh, he, he got pucks back on the four check and got to the front of the net. And uh, I think over time you see the effectiveness of players like that, even if they don't necessarily do an inside outside move and, and put it top corner. Um, those are the things that I think can be deceptive where you, where you see highlights uh, around the league, but you don't see a guy play every single night. Um, so that that's one thing that can be deceptive. Um, but in general, I think, you know, the fans are astute observers of the game and, and they know the game well. Uh, Dom, we, we, we brought up Har- Harvard. It is, you should know that this is a uh, Adam Fox Stan account at this point. Yes. There's just nothing he can do wrong. So I just <laughs> want to give you the floor to talk about arguably, maybe, possibly, the best crimson hockey player ever, Adam Fox? <laughs> well, well, first of all, Foxy is an awesome guy. Um, I, I couldn't be happier for him. I couldn't, there's no better story than a guy who grew up a Ranger fan and, and is now a star for the team. Um, you know, that just, I, I, I'm ecstatic for him, for his family. Um, and... I got to know him really well, you know, after my year in Toronto, I was in the fall kind of waiting for a contract or see what opportunities may or may not come up. And I ended up skating with the Harvard hockey team for four months, pretty much. Um, And so got to know Foxy really well throughout that time. Got to, you know, see him up close and personal in practice, uh, watched him play games and he's special. I mean, you could just the things that he does. I, you know, someone asked me when he was still in college, what, you know, for kind of a scouting report on him. And I just said, I've never seen anyone play the game like him. Simple as that. Um, he's incredibly unique player. Um, the things he does on the ice are, it's just like the hockey IQ is through the roof. Um, so I, I'm, I'm a huge Adam Fox fan. I'm, I'm so proud and happy to see him doing so well. And, and for his hometown team, it's, it makes it even better. Yeah, obviously we are uh, very happy to see Adam Fox play the level he has. I, it's incredible that he can get even better because his rookie year, uh, he looked like he belonged right away. It, it got snubbed from the Calder voting, which I think is a little ridiculous, but we won't get into that. But it's uh, he's taken another step this year so far already in five games, and I'm I'm curious as to what his ceiling is uh, when the when actually when the Rangers are ready to compete maybe in the next two years here. I did. Mm-hmm. I did promise my friend and coworker Shayna that I would ask this question to you. Um, she she asked here, what kind of makes a good fourth line center? And you know, defense is really important to what fourth line centers offer. And what what's something that we're not kind of putting into metrics for fourth line center evaluation? Because defense could be, could, you know, you could evaluate that with blocks or uh, certain ways. But is there a way you'd like to see that evaluated over time? Well, I mean, as a fourth line center, you need to score too. I mean, I think a lot of, you mentioned Boyle and I, you know, in our role in the 2014 uh, run that we had. I mean, we obviously were counted on to shut the door and play against top lines. But I think if you're just defending all the time, eventually pucks end up in your net more than they end up in the other one. I think you really need to have players that can defend well, but also contribute. And 
you look in the playoffs, you have, you have, every team has top lines and, and uh, it's about kind of, to me, it's, uh, you know, one goal games every night almost. And it's about what, what can you get from your depth? Um, so, you know, you may not be getting all the same opportunity as a fourth line player, your ice time or, you, you know, your role in terms of producing offense may be limited, but uh, you have to find a way to do it. Um, and, and you have to do it without sacrificing at the other end. So it's, it's actually an incredibly hard job. Um, and, you know, a lot of times you see players that were productive with, with more opportunity and, and they get slotted into fourth line roles and they can't do it. Um, it's just, you don't, you don't have the same rhythm and you don't have the same, uh, timing when you don't play as often. So it's not an easy role. Um, and so it's, it's hard to find players that do it well. Dom, the beauty of having a 13 year career, I mean, not just that you get to play the game you love for 13 straight years, but your game kind of transcends generations over that length of time in the NHL. I mean, we started this interview with you telling the story of how you, uh, put Mark Messi on his keister in your first (laughs) training camp, but we're your career. You, you get to play against guys like. Yamir Yager, a young Ovechkin, a seasoned Ovechkin, a veteran Ovechkin, <laughs> Sidney Crosby, Connor McDavid. Is was there a guy that you just when you put your skates on, you're like, ah, oh, Jesus, this is this night is just not going to be fun for me, no matter what I do. Well, I don't know about not fun for me, but I mean, in terms of uh, awe type thing, you know, when you're a young player and you're and you're the one guy that was really kind of like, wow, for me was Mario Lemieux. When I faced off against Mario Lemieux, that one was really kind of like, wow. Cause he's the guy who was just beyond a legend. You watched him so often growing up and, and to be in the face off dot against him was just uh, one of those awe moments. Um, in terms of not, not being a fun night for me, I never really had that that experience just because as I said before I I relished the challenges and 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 wanted to play against the best guys and enjoyed that part of it so um you know there was there wasn't any thought like that in my mind but I did as you say uh span across multiple you know generations of players and played with and against a lot of them so that's something that I'm very proud of, of in my career for sure uh, I'll ask a one quick follow up. Have you ever seen Elaine Vigneault not chew gum? <laughs> That's a simple no, I guess. I mean, <laughs> We're just, you know, love. he's just always chewing. I just, I just wanted to know I if there was ever a time. A, I assume it's a stress management thing, but I've never asked him. That's okay. Maybe one day we'll find out. Uh, is there a particular, I guess, you are, we already mentioned Mario Lemieux. But was there a particular goalie you played against that you, uh, I mean, you had Henrik Lundqvist behind you before. Was he also the answer for like, hey, this guy's just on another level when you were playing against him? Is there something different that you noticed when you were out in the ice? Well, Hank is, he's the ultimate competitor. And, um, you know, we came in as rookies together. And so we've been friends for a long time. And then the one thing you say about him is just his competition level is never wavered. you know, that rubbed a lot of teammates the wrong way. I think throughout his career, his, his just his level of focus and determination, you know, he wasn't the most social guy, particularly on game days. Um, he's very social in general. I, I, I just want to clarify what I meant by that. It's just on game days, he was 
tunnel vision of doing his job well um, and not necessarily there to, to talk and, you know, socialize on, as he prepared to do his, his job. So that's what made him special. And, and when he was on, he was, he was simply unbeatable. I mean, there were games in those playoff runs that we had where Pittsburgh threw everything at him. They threw all five guys into the crease, it seemed like, and tried to bowl him over and still he, he just stood tall. So he's the best of the best. Um, you know, there, what more can you say about him in terms of his, what he's accomplished um, and his career? He's, he's, he's an absolute legend and Hall of Famer uh, one, 100%. Dom, was there a guy when you played, we all know the Sean Averys of the world and the, the guys who have the reputation for Turpin. Was there a guy that the rest of us think is this squeaky clean image, but it actually turns out he's a world-class chirp? Like is Jerome Aginla a guy that just gets under people's skin, even though we all think he's just the dude that gets interviewed on the side of highways in Boston. <laughs> I did. I did see that actually. I don't know for, I, I never had any run-ins with the Ginla. I think I got under his skin uh, at times for sure. Um, I don't know. That's a good question. I don't have an answer for you on that one. Oh um, man. We tried. You tried. Greg. I'd, have to think, I'd have to think a little longer, but. You know, I don't want to hold up the train here. So. It's all good. You get back to us. No big deal. Um, let's yeah. let's go to current day Rangers, shall we? Uh, it's been five games for the New York Rangers. They are off to a hot start of one, three, and one. The team has actually played quite excellent, uh, but the stars themselves haven't produced just yet. What are your thoughts on the Rangers this year? Uh, I think just to clarify for us, just really quickly, we think this year is about development, really, and then the the window sort of opens for championship contention next year. This this year is sort of a not a not a getaway free card, not a get out of jail free card, rather, but uh, a situation where it's only about developing, like you know, kids like Lafreniere, Kako, Adam Fox, Miller, etc. And it's it's kind of just done just that so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to know what the expectations rate are are right now. Uh, obviously, this season is unique with the shortened season and the the circumstances the whole league is has been presented with. Um, you know, it's a hopeful time for for ranger fans with all the the talent and promise on the team and the way that foxy's playing and um you still have crides at the in his prime and um you know the the development of of the guys you mentioned panarin um you know i think everyone knew he was he was top top end talent when he was with columbus but i don't think anyone for sure knew that he was elite elite of the league i mean top five player he, he's just been unbelievable um and making everyone around him look look good in his path so uh, a lot of a lot of reasons for optimism it's just you know this is a really really difficult and competitive division um you know even a team, even a team like buffalo coming up you know those those two games they're going to be very difficult games to win so rangers could play really well and have have strong moments but you, you know, it's possible they could be, you know, looking at like a one in five record after the next two games. It's just that competitive right now. Which is crazy. Obviously, there's the nothing we can really <laughs> compare a season like this to, given the state of the world right now. But if you played through the strike shortened season, uh, not the strike shortened season, excuse me, the lockout shortened season, it, how's the mindset going into these just odd calendar years that these players are going through well i I actually did not play in the lockout shortened season um 
So I can't, I can't say how that was. I mean, other than, you know, there's no, there's no substitute for playing games. And I, I think that all the teams are still ironing out the kinks because they didn't have any exhibition games. They had a shortened camp. Um, a lot of teams have new faces and they're trying to establish chemistry. And, you know, you, you, there's a chemistry to be established between the players and the systems that the coaches are implementing. And, and those things take time. Unfortunately, there is no time. I mean, the results are stacking up and uh, the points every, every night are four, four point games. So it's a real challenge for everyone, including the coaches um, trying to get their teams up to full speed as fast as possible. With this season, just in general, is there a particular player that has sort of caught your eye through five games? Could be anybody in the division. Like, so for example, Jack Hughes, uh, someone who I've slandered in the past has made me uh, eat my words very quickly this year. Has there been a player that's just stuck out in the first five games of hockey? You're like, wow, that person looks totally different. Hmm. Uh, let's see. You could say no, and we can go to the next question. <laughs> totally different. I mean, different in a positive way in yeah. terms of like or, or negative way better way. than I. Um, let's see. It's only five know. games, I'm, you know. Like, there's, you know, not a lot could change. Think, you know, given given that you know the Rangers are playing Buffalo coming up, I think um, one thing to look for there is that Jack Eichel is a really special player and he's been he hasn't had that much to work with over the last couple of years uh, I think like you know we talked about Jeff Skinner and his smash fest uh, stuff earlier mm -hmm. he's he's a great player as well uh, but I think having Taylor Hall who's a elite talent with him is going to be something to you know to watch these guys are you know as they develop a little bit more chemistry they're going to be very difficult to stop um, and he's impressed me he's not a guy that I you know, had been able to watch that much over the last few years, but he is, I mean, with the right talent surrounding him, he is really top of the top talent wise. Future Ranger great, Jack Eichel. Yeah. Are you yeah. waiting for me to say that? Ryan? I was going to wait. Yeah. I was going to say it. So I, I've, seen those I've seen those rumors. I've seen those rumors. There's always Ranger rumors about them acquiring, you know, it was Pierre-Luc Dubois last week. Right? Yeah, it so was. There's yeah. always rumors around that. Well, uh, you you brought that up, Dom. How do you feel about that deal? Kind of kind of interesting from both parties. Yeah, I mean, it could it could work out to be a win for both. Um, you know, they're both teams that have a little bit of trouble at attracting free agents. Obviously, um, that might be putting it a little mildly. So, they you know they retained uh, high end guys and guys with promising futures. Um, they just kind of swapped one player for another in turn, they have different roles. I think Line A is there's not many guys that come around with that kind of a release so they don't grow on trees so if you can get a guy like that in your lineup especially for a team that struggles to score sometimes uh that could be a, a real boost to them um and i think you know dubois is a guy that probably has a, another year or so to to reach his prime and it'll depend on where he goes from here actually um, but i think he's excited about his new situation and you know his dad is a coach in the organization so i think he feels good about where he is and and might respond well so it could be one that both teams are really happy with in a couple of years absolutely um i just have one final question and i think i'd be remiss if i didn't ask this can you just take me through the game six goal like what was going um, through your brain as as soon as it, as soon as it went in i mean the garden was unbelievable the guard yeah so yeah um 
I guess the way the play that de- developed, um, you know, Mac came down and pinched and, and it had been, you know, we had, we had been kind of roaming around in the zone, I think for a little bit. Um, and we'd be remiss to not mention Derek Dorsett and, you know, his grinding effort. Um, and then I kind of just hung out on the weak side and tried to get lost a little bit, you know, because the defender had his, had to turn his back on me. And, and when I did, I saw Boiler was going to get the puck and tried to get into a, a scoring position and obviously a, a tremendous play from Boiler um, right away, you know, having the presence of mind to know where I was and get it to me um, without hesitation. And then from there, you know, mostly what I remember was that there, there's, you could feel the reaction of the, of the crowd in your bones. It was just like nothing I've ever experienced before or after. Um, it really, it went right through you, the energy in the building. And I'll never forget that night for sure. This is truly an unbelievable moment. I actually have a follow-up on that. Is there, a, have you ever met a hockey player that doesn't have a nickname that ends in Y or ER? <laughs> Uh, again, I don't want to hold up the train trying to rack my brain. <laughs> All um, right, it's fine. I'm it's sure fine. There, I'm sure there is one, but there, there's not many for sure. Yeah. Greg, any final questions for our good friend, Dominic Moore? How about Cujo? There, didn't there you go. That, that was a good one. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will I will say Cujo is like the one exception to the rule. Um, <laughs> I guess for me. that I was able to call that up pretty quick, though, then. I guess. <laughs> well, that's you're a Toronto guy. That's That's cheating. That, <laughs> That was just like, you know, that was an immediate knee jerk reaction. Um, <laughs> I guess for me, Ryan talked about the euphoria of your goal as a Ranger fan. It's hard for me to think of a louder in garden experience than the step on game winner in game seven against the Capitals. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe you were on the bench for that one. It, mm-hmm. Was there just, what is it like being on the bench when something like that happens when, literally 18,000 plus drunk New Yorkers are losing their mind simultaneously. (laughs) Well, I mean, that, that was, um, that game, it was just like, we were down and you're down in the series. And it just was like, we were hanging on by the skin of our teeth and we, uh, you're sitting on the bench and you're like, this could be over any second, just one bad bounce. And, and fortunately we were able to get the goal. So it's just kind of pure elation and uh, moving on. It's just really special memories of spring hockey in, in New York. And um, those are, you know, those are the most special moments in my career and why I'll, I'll always be a, a blue shirt. That's for sure. Tom, can't thank you enough for spending some time with us tonight. Really it means the world to us. Uh, why don't you go ahead and plug everything you're doing right now, where people could follow you, where people can watch you, et cetera. Oh, there's no need to plug anything. I'm just happy to, you know, thanks for the invite and uh, glad to be here with you guys and wish you guys all the best. And, uh, you know, good luck to the Rangers. It's uh, it's going to be an exciting season to follow. Dom, you're an analyst now, so I'm going to help you out. You can watch Dom on NHL <laughs> on NBC, where he is a studio analyst and uh, now a recurring guest on Blue Shirts Breakaway. Dom, you're the best. Thanks so much, man. All right, guys. Take care. Thanks again. Thank you. Hey, we're back. Great interview with Dom. Um, hope you had a good time. Seems like you did, Greg. I think we did good. I think we did okay. Yeah, that's okay. Um, 
Anyway, uh, th- can't thank Dom enough for coming on the show. We'll be back later in the week, uh, probably reacting. Oh, we to don't it. have any five stars this week? Uh, Nobody we, likes us. We have a few, but they're a little bit out of nowhere, and I'm not really about it. If you want to live... <laughs> 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 One's like, uh, I can't. I have it right here. I don't know. Whatever, I'm not doing this. Um, we're going <laughs> to... Wow. Ryan gets one former ranger on the show and he becomes too big time for the, we're, for the little people. I'm, this is it. Wishes Breakaway is over. We're, we're never coming we're back. It's, we're retired. Bye. Uh, it's been a really great run, Greg. So that was no, one, no one will get to hear my rant on whether the Mets or do or do not sign Trevor Bauer. You're just going to have to assume what I said. Yep. Um, we'll be back, uh, I think, on Wednesday night. We'll be recording after the, the game, obviously, against Buffalo. Follow me at Orion Meet on Twitter, Jack Johnson Fund, of course. You can follow Greg at Bush's Break, Bush Break, Breakaway Giveaway, or Stimulus, sorry, of course. And um, hopefully one day Tanner, Tanner Glass will come on this show. That's all I'll say. One day. We'll get him. He's the white whale. We'll find him, Gregory. All right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we're out of here. Love you guys. Bye. off grocery store prices at BJ's Wholesale Club? Did you say save up to 25% at BJ's? Yeah, save up to 25% at BJ's. Whoa, that's like saving up to one-fourth of... That's gonna leave a mark. BJ's. Absurdly simple savings. Shop today. Not a member? Go to BJ's.com slash simple savings.